Training camp is officially wrapped up for the Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field, but they're still getting ready for their first or their first real preseason game where you're going to see most of the starters against the Detroit Lions this Saturday at Heinz Field, their only home preseason game. Breaking that down with me will be Brian Batko of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette as we get you ready for the most important storylines heading into that game right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter, your host. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. You can also download this show or listen to this show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and of course, Odyssey, and of course, YouTube, or subscribe to our new YouTube channel to get all of our episodes Monday through Friday. Joining me today, a returning guest to the show and a beat writer on the Pittsburgh Steelers, Brian Batko of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Brian, how you doing, my man, now that training camp is finally over? I'm doing great. It's it's cause for celebration. I got my Hawaiian shirt, Hawaiian shirt on here. <laughs> I'll hang out. You know, last day of camp. Can't hold anything back now. So, yeah, I mean, not much is going to change for us or for the Steelers when they head from Heinz Field to the south side. But uh, it is sort of just a rite of passage here when they uh, when they get done with uh, these, these dog days of summer, basically. And, and then, of course, they'll get into a, a little bit more of regular season preparation mode rather than uh, just banging heads against each other all the time. Yeah, that's always the thing, right? Because we see them beat each other up. We see Dan Moore fight somebody every other day. Uh, we, we see things like that. But now it's like, okay, we've we've tussled with each other. We know who are what our strengths and weaknesses are. Now it's time to see how that go, how that how that meshes when we face an opponent with a different scheme where we don't know what's coming every play and how to react to different types of athletes than we've been used to practicing against. That's always an interesting thing. And also what's really interesting is when you go and you look and you say, okay, we got, whenever you have a new coordinator or a new coach, how that meshes with the players that you have, especially longtime players like Ben Roethlisberger, there's always that anxiety from fans and people watching. Is this going to work? And, of course, we're talking about Matt Canada and Ben Roethlisberger. Matt Canada in his first year as offensive coordinator. Ben Roethlisberger has yet to play in any of the preseason games. He indicated on Thursday at Heinz Field, Brian, that he wanted to play in the Eagles game, but Mike Tomlin wasn't going to have it, um, but that he's really excited to get in this game and to play in front of Steelers fans. I wanted to get your thoughts, Brian, on – how much weight should we put into just being able to see Ben Roethlisberger play in this offense? Or do you think that's, this is more of a formality of just get this out of the way so that the regular season is ready? No, I, th- I think there's a legitimate excitement to it. In any other year, to your point, Chris, like, yeah, it, it would be a formality. It would be, okay, you know, Ben did his token series or two, shook the rust off a little. Now let's, mm-hmm. let's put him back uh, on ice. But I think in this case, yeah, with, with Matt Canada coming in with some new ideas, some new language, and a new spot, he's going to be in the press box as opposed to on the field. Yeah. Uh, Randy Feetner had been previously. Uh, that is is all important, and so is just getting those live reps with Najee Harris, with Kendrick Green, the rookie center, who's most likely 
going to start. I mean, we saw it in that Hall of Fame game in Dallas. It, it wasn't Ben starting, but it was Mason Rudolph under center. And, you know, one of the first times they try to do that gadget jet sweep to Chase Claypool, what happens? He doesn't stick the ball in his chest and they lose it. So uh, they practiced it a ton. They're doing it every day at Heinz Field. But there's just something different to be said for doing it against guys that aren't on your team and are allowed to go out there and hit you and bring you to the ground if they want to. Exactly. These aren't guys who they're coached to say, you know what, you don't touch Ben Roethlisberger. Like anytime that Alex Highsmith or Melvin Ingram beat one of the offensive tackles, if they got in the backfield, even if it was Dwayne Haskins or Josh Dobbs, it was like, hey, just tap them, let them walk by. That's the, that, that's the drill. And this is the Lions. Like, what do you think Dan Campbell was telling these guys? I mean, they are just, they're in like tear down to rebuild mode. They spent a bunch of draft picks on young defensive guys. Like, they're probably not going to be good this year, but they're all about the whole, like, oh, we got to establish the Lion mentality and be tough like the city of Detroit. And bite kneecaps off and things like that, because that's what yeah. their coaches do. <laughs> yeah, and he's telling these guys, look, if you get a free shot on one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, a future Hall of Famer, uh, you can't let him big Ben you to the ground. You better go get him. Right. That's certainly going to be a factor there. And the hitting's one thing. But you, you talked about like things like the jet sweep. Ben Roethlisberger also talked about there's more play action involved now. And with that, it's tough. It's good. In play action, you ha- kind of have to throw it further down the field because he said it doesn't make sense to call play action and then throw a quick pass when that's where you want. The, that's where the linebackers will most likely be after a play action. So. There's gonna also going to be a sense of getting comfortable with the new concept, not new concept, but the more used concepts in this offense, like the jet sweep. I, I, I can say, you know, Brian, you and I have been there pretty much every day at training camp. You, I can say confidently, I, I think that they've definitely gotten more well-oiled in running things like the jet sweep uh, because early on, you know, there were more of those miscues that we saw in that, that, uh, that Hall of Fame game. But, like, you know, in this last day of practice on, on Thursday – I mean, we saw they were they were moving pretty smooth. It looked like they were pretty used to it now. Uh, granted, still, you know, they haven't played a regular season game with it. Those are the things that I think that fans need to see the most to get. It's like, okay, this offense, Ben's not lost in it. He's still going to be doing his thing. There's just extra wrinkles added in it that we weren't sure of before. They also did a period that was pretty heavy uh, in 11-11 on the play-action pass with Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger and the starters, and – if memory serves from Thursday, you know, the first one he overthrew Deontay Johnson by a little bit. You could argue maybe he should have had it down there at the five-yard line, but he didn't. Uh, the next one was, you know, kind of clanged off Eric Ebron's hands as he was running a crosser mm-hmm. uh, from right to left. So uh, that's the other thing with play action. You know, not only is it just different, but as a quarterback, you know, you're turning your back to the defense. That's the ultimate have trust in your O-line, right? Because <laughs> someone could come up and and get you from behind if if uh, if things don't go well up front. But the rhythm is a little bit different. The timing is a little bit different with your receivers. We know that Ben hasn't done a ton of it, at least not in recent years under Randy Feetner. So, uh, of course, they're not going to be opening up the whole playbook Saturday night against the Lions. You know, you're, you're not going to show a ton to the Bills of what you might want to do come week one when the results matter. But uh, it is going to help Ben, I think, just to get out there and uh, actually be in stadium between the sidelines uh, with this rather than taking mental reps, as I'm sure he was doing with Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, and Josh Dobbs in the first two preseason games. Certainly, that's going to be a major storyline. Another major storyline will be this offensive line. This was the first week we got to see the projected starters. Zach Banner, Trey Turner, Kendrick Green, uh, Kevin Dotson, and Takuma Core for 
all lining up next to each other in practice uh, because they've all either been injured or unavailable for personal days or things like that throughout training camp. This game is going to determine a lot about, I think, about what they what their first impressions will will be with Mike Tomlin and the Steelers staff. I want to get your thoughts on that, Brian. But first, we got to talk to our friends at Built Bar because if you want a healthy treat that tastes like a candy bar, Built Bar is the protein bar for you. It's the protein, it's the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team, and it comes in so many different flavors. Whether you want a fruity snack like raspberry, strawberry, or orange, or something different like salted caramel, cookies and cream, Rocky Road, or my personal favorite, double chocolate, Built Bar has all the flavors you could want to enjoy. And the best part, they're all healthy. They range from 130 to 180 calories with, with just 17 to 18 grams of protein and only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. That's a tasty and healthy snack that'll save you from eating the snack that you'll regret later and keeps anyone on task with their diet. Order today and you'll get your favorite flavor delivered right to your door by going to built.com and use promo code Locked 15. That's L O C K E D 1 5, all capital letters, all one word, locked 15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, continuing our discussion with Brian Batko, getting you all ready for the Steelers versus Lions Saturday night, 7.30 at Heinz Field, their only home preseason game here. Brian, the offensive line hasn't had a whole lot of time to gel, but they're going to have to figure it out real quick uh, as they go up against this Detroit Lions team, one, to protect Ben Roethlisberger for the one or two series that he might play, also just to see what might this group look like blocking for Najee Harris and what can happen there so they can at least maybe take some of this momentum uh, to into the regular season uh, because they haven't had a chance to really gel. What has been your thoughts watching the, you know, the different guys in this offensive line finally get their chances and what you've seen from them guys like Kevin Dotson, who came back after, you know, it was questionable. Is he going to run with the ones? Then he obviously did after, uh, after a quick week um, and other guys like Zach Banner, who uh who you know had needed to battle back for an ACL injury and now he's back you know and you know maybe he's rotating with Dan Moore a little bit. Yeah, it's always a little bit difficult to gauge the tackles. Um, you know, again in these practice settings, an edge rusher gets by you. I mean, is he able to complete the play in real life? Is does he have enough time to actually get there into the pocket and get a sack? It's 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 hard to tell uh, in that scenario. So that's why I'm curious to see Banner and Okora for against these guys Saturday night. In terms of the Eagles preseason game, didn't love what I saw out of Kendrick Green, honestly. I, I thought he struggled a little bit, and uh, that's that's something that, you know, Ben Roethlisberger has not had to worry about for, what, uh, an entire decade, basically. Marquis yeah. was, you know, did he tail off a little at the end of his career? Sure, but you really didn't have to worry about him getting pushed back quite like that in pass protection. I think a big reason why they drafted Kendrick Green was so that he would maybe be able to help the running game a little bit more, but it's going to take some time for him to get comfortable uh, going against the the big men at the NFL level. Uh, Kevin Dotson, though, you know, he showed some good signs uh, when he got in there with the twos against the Eagles. And, and maybe, you know, a guy like him helping out with Kendrick Green on the interior can, can buy you some more time for Ben Roethlisberger. So uh, as much as they don't have much to lose uh, in terms of, uh, being uh, good in the run game up front. They were the, they were the worst rushing team in the league last year. Uh, you can be a lot worse in pass, pass protection considering uh, Ben Roethlisberger was sacked the least in 2020. We know he got rid of the ball quickly 
And, you know, like we talked about in the first segment, play action is going to be a little bit slower to develop. If you're not in as much shotgun, uh, you know, you got to take shots downfield to, to open things up for Najee Harris. But that also is contingent on this young, unproven, inexperienced offensive line, keeping them upright and allowing them to step into those throws. Yeah, that's that's a huge part of this, right? Is that yeah, that offensive line was was not good last year. It was it was it struggled to be athletic and to be dominant at any point, you know, for the run game. But one thing that they had down was communication. Villanueva, Pouncey to Castro, they played together long enough, then you filled in with Matt Filer, and then you could bring in a Chikuma core for a Zach Banner or whoever at the other at the other spot and be like, you know what? The those three guys got it. We'll fall in behind those guys and the other vet that's on that's that's on this line. And that was how they could they they could pick things up, especially when you had a center like Marquise Pouncey who knew every call the Steelers had and how they how to respond to all the different fronts the Steelers could face. All of those things taken into consideration, absolutely that offensive line had that. But that's not something that you just get overnight. You don't just have that, just not every team just has that kind of chemistry. Uh so now you have an offensive line where Pretty much everyone's new to what they're doing. Chikuma Korfor switching from right tackle to left. Zach Banner only played only played one a part of one game last year. Uh, Trey Turner new to the team, signed in free agency. Kendrick Green, a rookie. Kevin Dotson only started four games last year, and some of those were at right guard, not left guard. So, Brian, I mean, I, I think that that chemistry is something that's understated as to what's everyone's looking at here a lot of people are pointing at the skill they're like oh they might not be good it it might even be that they hey they have the talent on the offensive line but if this group doesn't gel the way it needs to in this in these next few weeks that could be the problem that gets them beat up against teams like buffalo early on yeah and that's the thing you won't really know uh until you go out there in, in orchard park new york september 12th week one and face that you know that bill's front that's pretty good and and has frankly, beaten up on the Steelers the last couple seasons, if, if not the last three seasons. So uh, that's going to be a, a major challenge for them. Uh, to me, the biggest concerns with this unit are probably the two most important positions, center and left tackle. So uh, it's kind of a chicken and the egg. It's like, are Kendrick Green and Chooks of Korofor concerns because of the positions they're playing? Or is, it, or is it because they're, you know, struggling the most so far in camp in the preseason? You know, you, you could go either way on that, but uh, you certainly need them to be good uh, come the regular season. And, and even if they're crisp and, and not missing assignments against the Lions, again, I don't think that necessarily puts your mind at ease uh, for the Bills game week one. I, I just don't see someone, how someone could look at it objectively and not have some concerns with this O-line. I mean, it, uh, anything you kind of want to judge it by, NFL experience, they don't have much of it other than Trey Turner. Draft pedigree, none of them were taken higher than the third round. So. Right. Time with the Steelers, not a whole lot there other than Okorafor and Banner. So uh, it's it's a group that, you know, could I see them meshing to your point and, and figuring it out? Maybe, because I do think one of the strengths of Kendrick Green so far has been making the calls up front, communicating. He seems right. to be ahead of his time as far as that goes, especially for a guy who didn't do it much in college other than mm-hmm. what, four games. Uh, but could I also see them just getting overwhelmed against some of these defenses yeah, yeah, I could. And, and then you'd have a real problem if you're the Steelers. You'd have a huge problem because then you're talking about Ben Roethlisberger taking hits and Najee Harris taking hits. And either one of those guys go down for a significant portion of time, it puts a real damper on this season and for what the the, the team's plans are. But let's – I wanted to give – you know, before we switch to the defense in the next segment, I wanted to give you a chance to talk – to get, kind of highlight – 
who do you think is if, if this offensive, let's say this offensive line does gel together and everything works and you know, they're not a top 10 offensive line, but they're they're If they're, if they're an average NFL offensive line, if they get the job done enough so that the other, the playmakers in the offense can get what they need to get done. I think that's a victory for the, for this team, but who would be the person that you see that what you would see leading the way to make that happen, that would take the stride so that other guys can kind of fall in behind them. I think it's Banner, uh, mainly because, you know, he's got that personality off the field. He he has spoken multiple times now about wanting to take on a leadership role in that room, wanting to kind of be the guy who continues the the lineage of, you know, Marquise Pouncey, Al Villanueva, David DeCastro, and kind of, uh, you know, be the outspoken vocal leader. Because there's not a ton of big personalities in that group, I don't think. But uh, not only that, I think he can be very productive on the field as well. There's a reason he won that job coming out of camp last year at right tackle over Chooks of Core for. There's a reason if you if you go back to his prep career, he was a, a five-star recruit. I mean, the guy is just humongous. He's light on his feet, especially for that size. And I, I think he could be a breakout player, you know, not just for the O-line, but for this entire team as, as long as that knee is right and he doesn't struggle with the speed rush coming off that left side. Right. That's going to be a big, big thing is that him getting his knee right, making sure that he's he's fine there and he trusts his legs and he can do the footwork he needs to do. That's going to be a huge part of whether or not he can handle a lot of those speed rushers that may be coming off the edge. Because if he can't get into position, it won't matter how big or how strong he is. He's going to get beat to the point and that's something they cannot afford. Also, they need him to be able to get out and kind of seal those edges on run plays because typically that right tackle spot. That's where you need the physicality. That's where you need to set the tone. Uh, Marcus Gilbert did that for so many years for the Pittsburgh Steelers and was really an undersung hero for what that offensive line was uh, during the prime of Le'Veon Bell's years. So um, I, I think you're right. He, he plays a huge role. Back you up in the run game. That Sorry, might, say we, that again? We, we know that if Zach Banner gets his hands on you, he's going to jack you up in the Ooh, run yeah. game. So oh, yeah. It's a matter of him getting to that spot. I mean, he was good at it as the extra tight end. A little bit different job description when you're the right tackle. Is that it's a completely different job description because now now there's a lot more weight on your when you're the when you're the extra tight end when you're Miss, Mr. Irrelevant uh, or not irrelevant uh, what's uh, uh, shoot what what, what was everyone calling Mr. Eligible yeah Mr. Just, Mr. 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 No, Mr. Eligible yes when you're that it you're out there to crack somebody you're not out there to protect Ben Roethlisberger's blind side. You're not out there to 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 you're out there for one smaller role. But when you're a tackle. Anytime with, when you drop into your pass sets, you're you you have a responsibility to protect your out your outside shoulder, your inside shoulder. Make sure Ben's not getting crushed, and that's a lot more to take on. But Zach Banner has taken a lot of things on maturely. We've seen him grow, and uh, even though he hasn't played a lot with the Steelers, we've seen him grow as a person with the Steelers. I'm very intrigued to see his comeback story. Albeit they are taking looks at Dan Moore Jr. now at the right tackle position in case something can't go down. Zach Banner, but it looks like he's earning that third tackle spot with the team. Yeah, I was going to say that's a little bit of an unexpected development. I thought for sure Joe Haig would be that guy given right. his, uh, his veteran level of experience. But yeah, I mean, it could be Chooks Okorafor who struggles. It could be Zach Banner who struggles. And and now that there's a rookie, a, a young guy who's been nastier than, than his reputation indicated, kind of ready to get in there and go, uh, nobody can really feel comfortable uh, at, at tackle here for the Steelers. Exactly. No one should should feel comfortable. Nothing is solidified. Uh, I mean, heck, 
uh, Mike Tomlin went and got an inside linebacker this past right. week. Kevin Cote. So, like, if, if no one should feel safe unless your name is T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Ben Roethlisberger, Cam, or Cam Hayward. Honestly, like, if you're if you're not a part of that, those top guys, be, you better be on your A game to make sure that your roster spot is safe uh, or your spot on the depth chart is safe. We're gonna we're gonna flip things to defense in just a second, but I wanted to tell you guys about betonline.ag, the best online sports book, because with football season approaching, you'll want to get in on all the gambling action at betonline.ag, where you can get odds on records, stats, awards, season, and season wizards on the NFL season uh, right now at betonline.ag. Pittsburgh fans, the over-under for wins for your team right now is eight and a half. That means as long as Mike Tomlin Steelers avoid their first losing season in his time coaching, you will win money betting on the over-under of eight and a half wins on your Pittsburgh Steelers at betonline.ag. You can still also bet on all the Major League Baseball action going on there this summer, but before the next pitch and before the next snap, go to your laptop or mobile device, check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information for betonline.ag. Head to the website and mobile device, and you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit on betonline.ag by using that promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D. O-N, locked on, all, all capital letters, all one word, no spaces. And remember, that's locked on when you go to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Wrapping things up here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, previewing the Steelers-Lions preseason game, their only home preseason game this this, this uh, preseason year. I'm Chris Carter here with Brian Batko of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Brian, defensively, we've seen some upstarts. We've seen guys prove who they need to be. We've seen guys like, like Zach Banner, Devin Bush, working their way back to being who they were when they were healthy going into last season. Um, who are, if you would give me three guys, three defensive players that you're watching the closest in this upcoming game. Who are those guys and why should Steelers fans be keeping their eye on them the most? I'll just give you one at each level of the defense. Keep it simple. How about that? That's great. That's great. Up, up front. We know there's not a ton to really monitor with this defensive line. You know, the, you, you know, the, you know, the faces and the names, Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt, Tyson Alawala. They're going to be playing the lion's share of the snaps. Then probably no pun intended. Uh, then Chris Wormley, <laughs> but in this Lions game, uh, I want to see Isaiah Loudermilk build on the – I thought he had a nice night against the Eagles. You know, he, he wasn't did. really visible in the Hall of Fame game or even necessarily uh, in the early stages of training camp. But, you know, you, you saw him get that big, what, six-foot-seven frame up there, get a big pop there and bat a pass down mm-hmm. in Philly. So, uh, if he can keep making strides, you know, I, I think that not only solidifies uh, a spot on the roster for him as a fifth-round pick, but makes you believe in him as, as someone who can be a, a piece of the puzzle long-term uh, in the middle of the defense, uh, it's got to be Joe Schobert. I mean, I don't know how much he's going to play since he's heavily in the plans for the, the starting defense when the season starts. But uh, it's his first first time with the Steelers. He, he's going to be working uh, at least uh, a little bit with all of the other ones on defense. So uh, you wouldn't hate to see him go out there and, and make a play against Jared Goff or whoever the Lions throw out there at, at Heinz Field and see how he kind of interacts in the middle of that defense with Devin Bush and then uh, on the back end, you know, we, we go to the secondary. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of different names you could watch there. But uh, I think as this slot corner competition sort of heats up, it's it's James Pierre uh, that I want to see at outside corner uh, force his way onto the field in nickel defense by basically uh, convincing the Steelers to bump Cam Sutton inside and to put him on the field 
more often, which is something that Mike Tomlin acknowledged Wednesday. Uh, they very much are considering. So if he can go out there and, and be a lockdown corner uh, in this game against the Lions, who don't have very good receivers, I'll say that much. So <laughs> uh, if James Pierre can can shut down one side of the field on Saturday night, that will change things a little bit for the outlook of the secondary. No, I agree with that. And, and one thing that I thought was very interesting, too, when Mike Tomlin was asked about that Thursday at Heinz Field, um, you know, asking, like, hey, what's up with that? Is that, you know, a perfect thing? And he's like, well, it's more situational because, you know, you get, you know, sometimes you want Cam Sutton to be your possession guy on the, in, in the slide. And sometimes you want Arthur Mollette to be the guy there. And there's more roles that play into it. And during practice, I mean, we saw a few transitions where, you know, one one play, Arthur Mollette was on the field and he came off and uh, Chris Wormley went on as an extra defensive lineman and he came off and James Pierre came on and then Cam Sutton bumped into the slot. It seems like the Steelers are going to test all the different things there. But you're right. James Pierre, to me, has brought a lot more to the outside cornerback position than I think most people thought that he could. Um, unless you're Tony Serino on this podcast, he started a hype. Brian, he started a hype train back in February for this man. He was like, James Pierre is going to be the next great thing in Pittsburgh. And here we are talking about him maybe t- being the, the outside cornerback taking over for Cam Sutton. T- to you, is that an alarming thing that Cam Sutton didn't just lock it down on the outside and keep a James Pierre from getting it? Or is it more of like, a, hey, you know what? This guy's strength has always been his versatility, and that's just showing through here. I think it's more of the latter because I think that was kind of always the the thinking here. I mean, you, you re-sign him to start outside uh, replacing Steven Nelson, but if, if you don't find a replacement for Mike Hilton, then the calculus changes a little bit, and uh, it becomes a, a bunch of guys pushing for that third cornerback spot, uh, albeit in different, uh, in different ways. If, if you're James Pierre versus Antoine Brooks, for instance, a couple second-year guys. So I'm not concerned about – Cam Sutton's ability or, or role in this defense. Uh, I, I do think it would be challenging if, if he's moving uh, a lot between multiple positions in, in one game. We know in, in the past, the Steelers had Mike Hilton, who you didn't have to worry about that. You could put him out there on, on all downs. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, based on the, the playtime snap statistics, uh, I think over the last couple of years, the Steelers' most commonly used defensive lineup was actually the most used in the entire NFL. So they like hmm. to that top 11 and just stick with them regardless of situation. We know they play more nickel than anything. That's the de facto base defense. Uh, if, if you're going to be rearranging the chess pieces more, so to speak this year, uh, that'll be an adjustment for, for everybody on the back end of that defense to make. It, it, it certainly will be an, adju- an adjustment there. Um, I'm very intrigued to see what the rotation is like to see how, how Mike Tomlin, Keith Butler and that whole crew wants to scheme to use the talents that they have because there's no denying that this defense has a lot of talent on it from 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 all the different position groups like you talked about cam hayward stefan to it there's still tj watt who we haven't even seen practice in full yet um alex highsmith melvin ingram all, all up front then you still got guys like joe Schobert and devin bush and now then you get to joe hayden and make fitzpatrick and in and, and the crew in the secondary so there's definitely talent across the board i wanted to get your thoughts closing out here brian on what you've seen of Joe Schobert so far. It's just a week of practice. It's, you know, they haven't even done a full, like they've had full pads, but they haven't been full on hitting in the full pads. They, you know, if they, if they contacted a running back, they weren't to bring them down, but still the, the sense that I get is that he is definitely understanding what the Steelers are throwing at him. It's just going to be a matter of, Hey, get your feet wet, get used to playing next to Devin. And we're going to see how you two fit as a, as a linebacker pair. 
Yeah, I think everything that's being said by Joe Schobert and about him by the coaches is is all really promising. I mean, Keith Butler saying that they've really kind of had their eye on him and liked him since they they coached him in the Pro Bowl two or three years ago. And, you know, we, we know full well what he was able to do with the Browns defense against the Steelers when he was playing middle linebacker for them. So uh, th- there's there's a reason why they, they brought him in, maybe partially due to upgrading Roberts Belaine, but also giving yourself a, a more experienced option next to Devin Bush, who's, who's only played, what, 21 games in the NFL. So uh, I don't think it's going to take long for him to get up to speed. Uh, honestly, hasn't stood out to me much in, in terms of his playmaking yet in camp, but uh, that's the kind of thing that will shine through in, in preseason games uh, and, you know, obviously to much more uh, of a degree in regular season games once we get to that part. So uh, it's still a trade that I, I didn't see coming. It, it surprised me last week when they made that move for a number of reasons. One, I, I thought they were maybe set at that position. Two, uh, I, I didn't think they would uh, be able to get Joe Schobert for that little. But Same, uh, yeah. Just, yeah, all, all those things worked out in the Steelers' favor, and there, there aren't many downsides to it unless, of course, he comes in and, and doesn't play well. But uh, not seeing any indications of, of that being the case, really. Same here. I, I, don't, I don't see it being – like, he may be not – as above average as they hoped he would be, but he's at least going to be able to hold the line as an inside linebacker next to Devin Bush a little bit better than the way Robert Spillane and Ulysses Gilbert might have. Because those guys, they're role players. You put them into specific things and you say, hey, do this one thing in this scheme and that's what we want you to do. And, you know, when Robert Spillane can focus on on hitting Derrick Henry, he can hit Derrick Henry. When he focuses on just playing his zone, he can play that zone. But when you ask him to do all the different things that come with being, you know, an off-ball linebacker in the middle of a defense, that, that, that that's where things start to get trippy for him. And I think that that's where you've seen you can see Joe Schobert has not had a problem with that with all the different seven defensive coordinators he's worked with over the over the years in his time in the NFL. And you know, you're looking at a guy that if he can help Devin along the way, maybe he helps Devin be more comfortable knowing that he has a teammate next to him that is it as doesn't need as much assistance going into every game. He should be a better version of what Mark Barron was a couple of years ago. Mm. You know, you know, that bridge to the Devin Bush era, so to speak. I mean, maybe you'd wish that that would have come along a little bit sooner, but mm-hmm. some facts out of his control, like the ACL injury. So uh, he also, I mean, Schobert probably uh, a better player right now at this point in his NFL career than Vince Williams would have been in 20. Uh, I agree with that. So um, yeah, I mean, it, they probably didn't love what they saw from their their inside linebackers so far in, in camp in the first preseason games, and uh, that kind of necessitates a trade to go out there and get a guy who uh, has played at a really high level for five or six years. We'll be able to see if he can play at that high level when he plays in the preseason game against the Lions. He will play with the first team at defense, as confirmed by Mike Tomlin in uh, his, his pre-practice availability at Heinz Field on Thursday. Brian, it is always great to have you here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, my man. Uh, let people know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Yeah, I guess you see the Twitter handle down down there, Brian. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Just my name, um, post-ingazette.com. You know, we'll be writing a ton of stories uh, off the game Saturday night and in the, the days after that. Uh, and, and, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be fun here, uh, training camp wrapping up and Moving into the the last couple of preseason games, position battles still going to play play themselves out, and uh, you know we'll, we'll see who ultimately makes that fifty three as well. It's always uh, always fun, interesting, disappointing to see guys uh, not stick around, but it's it's juicy for us and and for the fans to to kind of go through all those dudes on the bubble. 
It certainly is. It will be a lot of excitement Saturday night. We will keep you uh, we will keep you up to date with that right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Do read Brian's work at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette and all the guys that he works with there. They do a great job of covering everything at the Post Gazette. Um, I'm Chris Carter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. You can hear me on this show Monday through Friday on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Odyssey. And remember, if you leave us a five star review on Apple with a positive comment, you get a shout out at the end of the show. Thanks to all those people who have been doing that. We've given you a couple shout outs this week again subscribe to this show it really helps us out enjoy the Steelers game I will be up with a late night show early morning show after uh the game as a brief sort of tune-up getting Steelers fans reacquainted with what happened what we our takeaways were and then we'll be back into our normal schedule Monday covering everything right here at the Locked On Steelers podcast